Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. For a very abusive uh, Catholic upbringing, and, um, and so she had determined that um, we weren't going to grow up in church at all because she didn't know good church. And so uh, I had an encounter with Jesus uh, when I was eight. And I won't have time to talk about that now, but I knew my entire life uh, uh, that um, that he was real. I knew that there was a real God. I knew there was a real savior. I knew that he had a call in my life. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what to do with that. I had no idea how to how to need that into my life. Like like a baker would need leaven into bread. I had no idea how to get the gospel into my life. But I knew that he was out there. And I remember I would talk about him. You know, you go to parties or whatever, and you're out there sinning, and you're having these, you, what you think are deep philosophical, theological conversations. And it's really just ignorant, drunk people talking to each other about nothing in particular or of any consequence, right? It's just stupidity talking to stupidity, the blind leading the blind, but you think you're going somewhere. And so I, I felt like I was a Christian because I believed, right? Um, but I didn't really know him. I didn't really know Jesus. And every now and then Christians would come in my life. And um, for whatever reason, you know, the Holy Spirit was drawing me to the Father, but I did not know how to respond. And so these people would pick up on the call of God on my life and they would begin to try to lead me to Jesus and what they had been taught. And what they had been taught is condemnation, judgment, rules. And so they tried to put condemnation, judgment, rules on me. And I would be like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with what you're talking about. See, now I had, I had met Jesus when I was eight, but um, it was a sovereign encounter and nobody had discipled me in the ways of Christ. But something had marked my spirit man that I was able to recognize what was him and what wasn't him. And so when these people would try to bring religious condemnation, judgment, it didn't resonate with me. And so I would kind of mock them. And it was kind of a hobby of mine to um, provoke these people in, into irritation. We talked about in the morning meeting, I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm a challenger. And so when the enemy gets a hold of that skill set, good things don't come from that, right? I, don't, I do not win friends and influence people, right? I, I, I make people very irritated. Uh, and uh, as the Lord is redeeming my personality, I'm able to challenge people in the things of God so they can have a relationship with the living Jesus. And uh, amen, that's good. Yeah, that's a healthy eight. Um, and so... And so uh, I, I grew up not actually knowing him, but knowing he was real. But my life didn't reflect it at all. Uh, and then, and then one day, and then one day, I met Jesus. Like I met the real resurrected Jesus. And then it all made sense, right? Like, like then, it, then it started making sense. Not the judgment, condemnation, rules, I'm going to be the Holy Spirit in your life, but the what I read in Scripture but didn't understand, the God that introduced Himself to me when I was eight, the hope that I had in God, even though I didn't understand why I had that hope, all of that made sense once I met Jesus. Now this, if you're from a religious background, maybe a, um, 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 you grew up in church and, uh, and, and you learned how to do church, uh, uh, we call that, on this side of Christianity, we call that religion, right? Religion is um, what I do on Sunday morning and how I learn how to say the phrases and dress and act around the deacon. Um, that's Christianity. We call that religion, 
right? But, but, but there's a difference between religion and actually having a relationship with God. An actual, factual relationship with God. There's a lot of young men in their fantasy life have, 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 have relationships with women who aren't thinking about them at all. That's a lot like modern Christianity. There's a lot of people with the loudest voices who don't actually have a relationship with God, but are talking a lot about what God thinks. And, and so I would, I would ask you this question today respectfully. I would ask you this today humbly. I would ask you this today, though, on purpose in a challenging way. Have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? I was just living my life, doing my own thing, and then Jesus showed up. And I can tell you, I don't know exactly when I got saved. I, I've, I've always said that. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I meet people who grew up in church. They say, I've always been saved. If you think you've always been saved, then you've probably never been saved, right? Because when you get saved, you know it. When, 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 when you pass from darkness to light, once your sins are forgiven, once Jesus picks up the heavy yoke and gives you a vision for what your life is supposed to look like, you know when that happens. Like, I knew Tracy for a long time, but I could tell you when we got married, right? I know the moment that we biblically became husband and wife. It wasn't like, I'm not sure we always been married. Before the foundation of the world, we were married. Now, there was a time we weren't intimate, and then there was a time we became intimate. And I could tell you the moment that happened. I'm not going to, but I could tell you the moment that happened. I remember it vividly, right? Like, I, that's, that's something that I remember. <laughs> right? And so you know when you became intimate with Jesus. That's a moment in time. Amen. We're going to talk about, the Bible talks about this, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to see how the Scripture kind of unpacks this story and what this could mean for us individually, us corporately in South Florida, right? This is, this is, this is what we're going to talk about today as we talk about a salvation encounter. John chapter 1. John, of course, was written by John the Beloved. Uh, we know that um, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were probably, Mark was written first, we know that. Uh, Mark uh, was written uh, based on his understanding of who Jesus was. He wrote it as a devotional for the first century church. Uh, 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 Matthew came after Mark. A good portion of Mark is in Matthew, we know that. And then when Luke came along, Luke studied Mark and Matthew's Gospels, plus did his own research, and then wrote Luke and the book of Acts, the two-part, what we call the canon within the canon. John was written separate from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, written in a different area, written to different people. Most likely, the Gospel of John was written to Greeks. He is confronting the philosophy of the day. We know that many of the philosophers were the rock stars of the day. They were, it wasn't musicians, it was philosophers. And uh, they had this concept of the Logos, and then the Logos in Greek philosophy um, with uh, Seneca uh, and, and other uh, uh, philosophers of the era, uh, they believed that purity, purity uh, intellectual purity, uh, life purpose um, could be achieved. And there was a, a truth about it, but it wasn't so much truth as it was philosophy. And they called this life goal, this ultimate life goal truth, the Logos. This is what the Greek called it. At the very beginning of the Gospel of John, John begins to redefine the word logos from this unattainable uh, philosophy to a very attainable Christ. Amen. 
So that we begin in, in John's gospel, he begins to repurpose the word logos from this philosophical idea to word being Jesus Christ, as opposed to the word being a philosophy and a life goal to a man, Jesus Christ. He repurposes their language for the purposes of the gospel. He contextualized the gospel for the day. Later in that first chapter, as with all current Greek and Roman writings, when they would write a biography, they had one parchment. Parchments were about 12 feet long, and if you had a story, it had to fit in 12 feet. Right. And so what they did when they wrote biographies in those days, uh, they didn't talk about the childhood. Today, you talk about your grandparents, the, the parents, how you were born, the whole story. In those days, it was very common that you may say something about the birth and then you jump right into where the person became important. We see that in the Gospel of John. We see the beginning. Then we see his life. Does that, that makes sense. So as you uh, I, and I just thank you for studying the word of God. I thank you for making the Word of God important in your life. I thank you for reading the Bible, bringing it if you read out of the, the, a written Bible. I would encourage you to use a printed Bible and read it as often as you can in your devotions. You don't have to. You can read on your phone. But there's something special about circling words that speak to you, writing in the, writing in the, in the columns, you know, having it worn down, something tactile about touching it, you know. And, and so, I, you know, it's a consecrated, you don't have to. I'd encourage it. Are we good? Good. So we're going to pick up the story here in uh, John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35. Thank you, production team. I appreciate your faithfulness. Uh, in what we have here is we have uh, the story of Jesus beginning to collect his first disciples. There was John the Baptist was on the scene, and John was a prophet. And John was, was preaching that people would repent and turn to God. Now, they knew according to the prophecies of Daniel that the Messiah would show up around this time. So people were looking for the Messiah. We know in other Gospels that there were false Christs who showed up on the scene. Uh, but here was John the Baptist out there water baptizing people. And, uh, and then it says, and again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist standing with two of his disciples. Most likely... Um, Nathaniel and, and John the Beloved, and he looked at Jesus and he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translates meaning teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you'll see. And so they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the twelfth hour. One of the two who heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translates means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas which is translated Peter. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you for your holy word. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would honor the public reading of your word and that your anointing would be here today to do what you do, that you turn men's words into life and spirit, that we may know you and understand you and follow you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. So what's happening in this story? Well, there was Andrew and John, and they were disciples of John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist was a prophet who was the Elijah that would come before Jesus and according with the prophecy, and he would make way, he would make straight the way of the Lord. He would prepare a road for Jesus. And that road, of course, is the heart's of men and 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 Andrew and John, uh, John the Baptist, he was like that that prophet, like like that, that evangelist. He was like he was like that that Christian friend that you had before you got saved, who kept talking to you about Jesus, and you kept rejecting him, and you kept not listening to him. Might have been your aunt, might have been your grandma, might have been your mom, might 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 have been a neighbor, might have been like me, people in school uh, who were trying to witness to me. And they said, listen, 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 you, 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 you got to, you got to come. You got to come to church. You got to, you got to hear this. I got to tell you what God did for me. And this was, this was John the Baptist telling people about this hope that he had in Jesus. He had disciples before he actually met Christ, which is interesting. John the Baptist was discipling people. He was water baptizing them. He was preparing their hearts. And, and, and this is what many of us do when you have uh, people in your life who don't know Jesus, and you keep sharing with them the testimony of what God has been doing in your life. As you begin to tell them what God does for you, you are preparing a place for the Lord to land in their life. You begin to plant an expectation and a hope in their lives that Christ could come and do. If he could do for them, he could do for me. This is why we share the testimony of the Lord. It prepares a way for Jesus. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, it says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. That literally means that as you give a testimony to people who don't know Jesus, you are prophesying over their life that they will experience the same God that you've experienced. When you do it in faith, not in judgment, not in rules, not in telling them what they need to be doing differently, not, not taking the role of Holy Spirit, but actually taking your role and just sharing what God has done, you're prophesying into their life the same dynamic, loving, experiential, abundant life that I have found in Jesus will soon happen in your life. All right, we'll talk about that in a minute, though. Hallelujah. And so John the Baptist saw Jesus, and he had these disciples. This is like, this is like you and you got friends who aren't saved. You talk about him long enough, he's going to show up. And so Jesus shows up, and they're like, oh, you know how I keep talking about this Messiah, this Savior, who's going to come and cleanse the world of sin? That, oh, by the way, that's him right there. And see, you don't have to do the work. You don't have to pray in Jesus. You don't have to convince people. You don't have to beat them up. You don't have to tell them that they're going to hell. You just talk about his goodness. You just talk about how beautiful he is. The angels start showing up. Holy Ghost shows up on the scene. You start getting words. You start getting prophecies. You start getting words of knowledge. You begin seeing their family get healed. And then one day they're like, man, I'm, man this, this Jesus seems real, man. I, t t tell me the rules. They're like, oh, no, how about I just tell you the man? Right? He shows up and you, you introduce him to the man, right? right? Like this is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is our role. And so they introduce, John, John the Baptist introduces them to Jesus. And they're like, well, I think we'll start following him. No, no, no cap, John, but you know, we're going we're gonna to follow Jesus now, right? Like, is that all right? Like, yeah, no, that's good. That, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm here for. And so when, when you fall in love with Jesus, this is what I was talking about. I mean, when you meet Jesus, when you actually meet Jesus, you fall in love with him. That, I mean, this, this, when, you, when, you, when you meet Jesus, he doesn't come with a scroll of rules. He, he doesn't come with a list of what you've done wrong. It's not like, it's not like your ex who cheated on you and they want to come back and you're like, well, you've got to promise me that you won't do these things again. Jesus like already forgave you. 
And he just comes, his heart is wide open for you. And when you meet him, like you, you meet a God who should be completely offended and should be completely wanting to cut you off. He should be there with the judgment, with the sickle, with the hammer, ready to judge and, 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 and find out if you are sincere. But instead, he's like, man, I've, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you all of eternity from eternity past. I've been waiting for you. Come, give me some hug. Give me some love. Come on, bring it in. Bring it in. No, no, bring it in. Bring it in. You know, like bring it in. This is God. And when, when you experience the real Jesus, you fall in love with him. Like you just, you, like you, 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 you fall, you fall in love with him. You, you orient, you begin to orient your entire life towards him. See, see, you orient your life towards the strongest emotion you have in your life, whether it's fear, maybe there's something you're terrified of. Maybe you're terrified of some things and the, and the devil is living rent-free in your mind and that fear dictates all your decisions. And you orient your entire life around not getting used or not getting abused, not getting cheated on, not being abandoned. And so you live your life with your strongest emotional fear dictating all your relationships. Maybe you're terrified of being poor and so you are too scared to make that move that would get you in the financial breakthrough. Maybe you can't invest in your future because you're so scared. or just this, These fears would, would dictate your entire life. Or maybe your strongest emotion is love. Maybe, 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 maybe you love someone so much that you have dedicated your life to doing well. We call that good parenting, right? When your child shows up on the scene, your life should be different. Your life should be very different after you have kids than before you have kids. It's good for couples to have children in the right time because it keeps you from being completely selfish. Good parenting requires you to not be selfish. And so you begin, you just like, you have a baby, and as soon as you hold that baby, you're like, I've been in love with you from eternity past. I don't even know what's happening to me right now. My entire life has changed. I don't I don't, I, I didn't know this love was even in me. How did you, and just out of nowhere, you just, you just fall in love and that thing begins to dictate your life. And unfortunately, the majority of us, the majority of us, whether we believe it or not, are living the exact life that we want. You say, no way, pastor. No, 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 no. You are living your life oriented toward the thing that is most important to you right now, be it a love or fear. You, you live your life oriented Toward and, 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 and so we, we want sometimes to live a different life, but we need something external to change it because we can't change it ourselves. If you were able to change it yourself, you already would have. If you could fix these things, you already would have fixed it. But you can't. You were designed to have something else come into your life and, and change it. And, and, and let me tell you, Jesus is the manifestation of God's love toward the world. Jesus is the manifestation of God's love toward the world. Jesus is exactly like the Father. He's always been like the Father because Jesus and the Father are one. When you see the love of God in Jesus, that is how the Father sees you. Jesus is madly in love with you. And I have found especially if you're young, the most attractive thing about whoever you're dating is that they like you. <laughs> like, like you find out somebody likes you and you're like, hmm, 
maybe I like them because if they like me, there's got to be something right with them because I'm likable, right? And so the fact that they like you means there must be something good about them, right? And so we're just in love with the fact of being loved and nobody loves you more than Jesus. When you meet him, when you meet him, you go from loving and following the things of the world to loving and following the things of God. Instantly, there is this love in your heart towards the things that he loved. Because the, because the love of God is not just towards you, it gets in you. And you begin to manifest that love towards the things that God loves. It is all about love. And so when you meet him, your, your, your love orientation begins to change. All of a sudden, the stuff you used to do, you don't love it quite as much as you used to love it because you're already complete in Christ. And now that you're complete in Christ, you didn't need these other things to complete you. And so you meet Jesus and all of a sudden those unhealthy relationships aren't as important to you. Those unhealthy habits being like, eh, I don't know that I want to do that anymore. I don't know why I should be getting out of this conversation, but I need to get out of this conversation. Oh, I need to, I mean, and, and then if you're a young guy, maybe you're like, maybe I shouldn't be playing video games eight hours a day. Possibly I should be doing something with my life. Maybe I shouldn't just tell people about my dreams. Maybe I should start working toward my dreams because your life begins to change when love comes into your life. It's like when you have a friend group. You know, when you have a friend group and you're all these single folk and you're hanging out and you go out all the time, you do everything together, you're like a, you're almost like a gang, right? Like there's always there for everything. If you don't show up, people sweat you like, where you been? And then somebody falls in love. And then they disappear. They just, they just disappear. Like they just, you were important, but now you're not as important. Because they've fallen in love. <laughs> and then they just disappear. And when they do show up, he's there too. Right? You're like, well, this, this is supposed to be the girls' night. You're like, it's the girls' night and the one I love. You're like, hmm, not, not the same. Because you don't want to leave him at home. Right? Like, you don't, and, and you know, this, this, is, this, is, this is what happened. So, Andrew, Andrew is with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist points him to Jesus. And he, he, start, he meets Jesus. And he's like, this is what my life is about right now. I was in John the Baptist gang, but I don't met Jesus. Sorry. Sorry, John. Like the friend group is over. I got to go be with Jesus. I don't found my love. Right. And so he goes with Jesus and he goes and tells his brother. He's like, this is so good. Like he didn't have his brother following John the Baptist. He went when he met Jesus, though, he went and got his brother, Simon, and said, listen, you, 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 you got to you, you got to show up. Listen, verse 41. He found first his own brother, and brother Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus then looks at, at Simon, and he says, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, the rock. Could you imagine, could you imagine, like, like, you meet your friend's homie, right? And he brings you to the friend group. He's like, yeah, I really wanted you to meet my friend. He's, he's really cool people. And you're like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's your name? Uh, Jesus? Yeah, my name's, my, name's, my name's Simon. Cool. I'll call you Peter. Like, whoa, hey, I don't, but that didn't, that's, but that's, that's not actually my name. I don't, did you not hear what I, like, what? But, 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 but the love of God coming from Jesus, he's like, you're Peter. He's like, I am? 
I'm Peter. Thank you. That's, that, that's, that's, that. see, see, there's two things that happen when you meet Jesus. There's two things that happen when you meet Jesus. You, you get your identity, your real identity, and you find your real purpose. And he just, it just, it just, it just comes into you. You just, you're like, you didn't realize you were a dry sponge. Then all of a sudden the water, you just, oh, I'm Peter. Oh, I'll take that. Yes. Yes. Come on, somebody. Yes, I, that, I, that's who I am. And all of a sudden, you start dreaming like, oh, I'm supposed to be somebody? But that's not where I'm from. You know where I'm from? He's like, no, no, no. You are somebody. I am? Yes, yes. You can be what you want to be. If you work hard of it, you know, like, you understand? Yeah, like you, like, he's like, he's, he imparts this thing to you that you could. And, and, so, and so you get these two things. You get identity and you get purpose. And so maybe today you're like, man, I'm not sure. That, like, like, and I would ask you today. Have you met Jesus? Have you, have you met Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about saved or unsaved. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, oh, no, I heard about him. Mama told him I went to a confirmation. I'm saying, have you met Jesus? And this is the question we need to be asking. You see, because the world, since you were born, has been spiritually trying to form you your whole life. Ever since you were born, people, the world, people who can make money off of you, your haters, those who are jealous of you, those who love you, those who want the best, those who want the worst, they have been trying to spiritually form you your whole life. But Jesus comes to undo what the world has done. Jesus wants to come in and form you in God's love with God's power by the power of Holy Spirit. You see, coming to Christ, amen. Coming to Christ is like, it's like you're breaking up with your old life. When you come to Jesus, you all of a sudden, you, 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 you meet him and you receive him. And you are saying, literally, I'm not dating you anymore. I have a new love in my life. The old life is behind me. This new life is found in Jesus Christ. And this is who I follow. There is an encounter that we have with God that all of a sudden, all of this becomes very clear. There is a new life that I have found in Jesus Christ. And there's an old life that I am leaving behind. I, I tell this story a lot, and I need to stop at some point. My, at some point, my wife is just going to cut me off from it. But when we got married, um, uh, <clears throat> again, when we got married, see, women, women, you can't trust men. I'm going to just say that right now. I don't care. I got to tell my daughter these things. Yeah, these guys are hanging around for a reason, right? Like, let's, there's a reason they're hanging around. They, they, yeah, he want to fix your car for a reason, right? Like, there's a reason these dudes are hanging around. And so, and so, and so, um, when we got, when, when, when we got married, there was still a lot of dudes hanging around. I'm like, um, ain't none of them getting invited to the wedding. I just need you to know that none of them, none of them, that's the old man. We ain't bringing old, we ain't bringing them, the old men, to the wedding. Because they're going to find out there was a wedding, and they wasn't in it, and they ain't a part of this anymore, right? Like, there's a new life that you have, and I'm the man of this life. And they're the man of the old life. They ain't coming. And he's like, ooh, they're going to be mad. Good. Be mad. Be upset. Suck your thumb. Call me names. I don't care. That's the old life. The new life is Carl. Right? Like, if you want to call the house, talk to my wife, call me. I'll let you know what she's doing. Right? You just, just, you, it could be, we could be, yo, you don't want to be my homie? Why is that? Why don't you want to be my homie? What? What? No. No, that's dead. That's the old life. That is, old things have passed away. Now, oh. Carl, that's so mean. You don't let your wife have male friends. We, 
we got a healthy marriage, you know, men, women. I don't hover over my wife. I don't, I'm not nervous. My wife is a leader in the church. She calls men. My wife is a therapist. She counsels men. This is not some sort of massive, or, excuse me, um, chauvinistic uh, thing. That's, I, don't, I don't believe in that at all. I believe men and women are equal. But I believe men will hang around single women for a long time for a reason. They'll wait till they get lonely. They're waiting for that 2 a.m. you up call, right? Like there they long suffering in their perversion, right? And so I'm just like, hey, it's over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I just talking to myself here? And it's just making sense. Thank you. <clears throat> Dude, you see what I'm saying right here? I'm got someone bear witness right there. I'm trying to, I'm trying, fellas, I'm sorry I'm uncovering things, but you know, it is what it is. The truth will come to light. I'm trying to let you know right now. Oh, everything done in darkness will be revealed and shouted from the rooftops. That's what the Bible says. And so, you know, quit with the you up 2 a.m. calls. Just let her know, hey, do you want a date? No? All right, then I'll move on. Right? Like in ladies, here, let me tell you something. Quit the hard to get. If you want a date, just say, yeah, I'll go on a date, but I'm not sure I want a date you. And then go on a date. And if you don't want a date, say, no, this ain't really going to work out. Can we, just, can we just be honest for a minute? The one you want to chase you kind of shows some interest, and he's like, oh, I'll respect your boundaries. You're like, oh, I didn't want my boundaries respected this time. Like, come on, just, just be honest. Can we just be honest? Am I, am I going down a road? I'm going down a road right now. I feel like I want to see some people get married with some Christian marriages. Listen, ladies, I, I just, God, okay, move on, Carl. Go on some dates, right? Just go on some dates and let them know, you know, there you go. Mm, this ain't going to work. This ain't, I ain't. But you got to go on the date, right? I mean, mm, mm. I'm waiting for the perfect one. How's that working, right? Like, just, just, just go on some dates, right? And then, mm, fellas, shoot your shot, right? And then be respectful. Let her know, hey, I'm going to take the first no, just so you know. The first no is going to be the final no. I'm not asking you six times. You want to go out? No? All right, cool. Let's have a group thing. Let's, let's continue to be friends. All right. Is this, is this okay? Is this okay? Can we talk about this? Amen? Yeah. We need healthy relationships. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to hear about that one. I have a feeling. <clears throat> but we need to turn from the old life when we meet Jesus. When we get our new identity, we see how we were living, and it doesn't measure up to the promise we have in Jesus. That's what happens at salvation. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. All of a sudden, there is a new future. Jesus is a window into your new future. And you're like, hmm, that could be good. And then the old, that's not so good. I, maybe I should follow Jesus, right? This is the Holy Spirit working in your life. And you have to realize that the old life does not compare to the life that God has for you. This is how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So Paul was preaching, preaching good, and they started getting hurt, right? They started, they, they, and so he said, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, yeah, I know, um, I know you were a little offended at my last, my last message. I know I wrote a letter to y'all, and y'all was all up in your feelings, and you were mad at me, but um, how the world makes you feel bad makes you feel bad about you. 
how the Holy Ghost makes you feel bad makes you turn towards Christ in a better life. And Paul is like, I'm not afraid to challenge you a little bit. I'm not afraid to make you a little uncomfortable. I'm not afraid to bring that word that says there is something greater in your future. There's a greater call that you haven't come into. There's something more that you have not measured up to. And if you would just turn from your life, you could come into the blessings that God has for you by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, look, now that I have exposed the truth of you living under the lie, you can make better decisions and lead a better life. That is the goal, not religion. Religion says, man, you are terrible. You are messed up. You're not keeping the rules. And now what you need to do is keep the rules better. When, when relationship says, hey, I need you to feel a little bad about how you just talked. I need you to feel a little bad about what you just did so you can take it to Jesus, offload the burdens of your soul on the cross so Jerry, Jesus can carry it and bring you into a better life. That's what Christianity does. That's what relationship with Jesus does. You see, we're all three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. And what religion says is you can perfect your relationship with Jesus by getting your outward body right. If you do the right stuff, you'll be right with God. The problem is God is spirit, and we can only communicate with him by spirit. And so when we get saved, our spirit man comes to life. And all of a sudden, our soul has two different influences. When it was just our body telling our soul what to do, all of a sudden, our spirit man that's connected to God, there's like a whole new back channel communication system happening. It's like when you're on a worship team and they're talking to you in the in-ears and nobody knows that the music director is calling a new song and you think everybody just changed the song on their own, but there's really a music director behind the scene telling them, hey, we're going to switch into this song now. Three, two, one, bam, and the world's like, oh, look, they just all switch songs at the same time. But there's somebody in their ear, right? That's the Holy Ghost who is speaking to your spirit man. And your spirit man starts to talk to your soul. The problem is, if you're not saved, if you haven't met Jesus, the sin remains on your soul. And you live your life trying to reconcile who you want to be with who you've been. And, and religion... And philosophies can teach you how to live with your sin, do better, do exercises, say the right words, but they can't actually take the sin off your soul. But when you come to Jesus, come on somebody, when you come to Jesus, he, he all of a sudden, your spirit man is connected to the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God who came as the man, Jesus Christ, eternally the Son, eternally born of a virgin, came and died on a cross for your sins. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your soul has all this sin that burdens it. And your spirit man says, hey, I know what to do with that. We're going to change the channel a little bit. We're going to switch the song. Instead of your body trying to work out this sin, he says, hey, I know what we can do now. See, I am now connected to Jesus. And what we can do is we can take that sin that's on your soul and we can offload it onto the cross. And when it's on the cross, the Father sees that the sin has been paid for and He looks down upon you and says, Oh, it's my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Come to the Father and let me give you rest for your soul. That's a good word right there. He's a good God. Just thank Him for a second. Just thank Him for a second that He offloads the sin from your soul. He's a good, good, good God. You see, when you put your faith in Christ, you break up with Satan and you break up with your past life. 
the old life breakup, you're like, I used to date you, the world, thinking that I would get something. And now I'm married to Jesus. Now I have, I have, I've, I've, I've married myself to the one. Like, like man, I don't, wanna, I don't know who I'm preaching to today, so I hope you get this message. Don't do missionary dating. Quit marrying men or, or, or dating men thinking that you will change them. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Believe them the first time. But maybe he'll change. But what if he don't? Ask him. Ask him right there. Hey, that's, that's foul. That needs to end. Well, I'm going to, all right, peace. <laughs> like, okay, I, pastor said give you a chance. I did. I'm good, right? I'm <laughs> going back to Jesus. Believe him the first time, right? Oh, I don't know who that's for. Just take it so I can move on, please. They meet Jesus and you fall in love with him. God loves somebody in this room and wants to get you free from unhealthy relationship. And if you're married, I ain't talking to you. Work it out. Come on, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Here's what he said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. He doesn't promise that you're going to be rich. He doesn't promise that this life is going to be easy. But what your soul really needs, he will, he will deliver. Rest. No longer wrestling with the sins of this world. No longer wrestling with a separation from God. No longer wrestling with a life without purpose. John said, quotes Jesus in chapter 10 of his gospel and says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is what you have been called to. This is what God always wanted for you. The enemy is out there trying to steal the rest of God from your life, trying to steal your future, trying to steal your true destiny, trying to steal you from the prosperity that God has for you. But Jesus came that you may have life and find rest for your soul. This, this is what God came for. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't say that it would be easy. He didn't say that you wouldn't come into the valley. But he said you would not walk through the valley alone. He said that you would not have to fight off the enemy alone. He said that you would not have to take on the cares of this world alone. This is your purpose. This is why God created you. To be a follower of God. The problem is that sin separates us from God, as Isaiah said in chapter 59 of his epistle, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your sin separates you from God. It's just, it's the fact of this world, and, and, and people are trying to redefine who God is and that sin is not a big deal to God. And you got to, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, can I just be honest with you? I'm just, I'm just, going, I'm just being honest today. It's just, it's, it's confession day. There, there are people out there redefining who God is because they're making God in their image. This is nothing new. Like, I, I, 
the, the sin is not a big deal. I'm like, I don't know what Bible you have ever read that you came to the conclusion that sin is not a big deal. Of course sin is a big deal. I know that Jesus is a bigger deal than sin. Jesus is the real deal. Sin, is, sin, sin will deceive you. Sin will distract you. Sin will lie to you. Sin will lead you into places you do not want to go. But Jesus is bigger. Jesus loves more. Jesus is more powerful. We do need to hate sin because in order to get the forgiveness of Jesus, we got to hate the sin that we've been committing. People just want to feel better. And here's how you feel better. Receive Jesus and repent of your sin. But pastor, I just feel like I don't care what you feel. When did that matter? I feel like I should be a millionaire. I show up, they still want me to have the money. You know, like... Uh, Sir, are you supposed to be here? I feel like I'm supposed to be here. They're like, I don't, I don't care what you feel. I went to college. Went to grad school. I've never once showed up the first day of class and said, I feel like I should have an A. And you're like, well, that doesn't really matter. There are requirements to get an A in this class. I'm like, well, I don't feel like I need to take the test. And they're like, well, then I feel like you're going to fail. Sometimes I go to my wife and I'm like, I feel like this outfit looks good. She's like, but it doesn't. <laughs> there you go. My wife has now learned. Don't ask me if your, your outfit looks good. Women's clothes are too complicated. Men's it's easy. I got pants. I got a shirt. I got shoes. I'm done, right? Like, that's it. Y'all don't even have shirts. You got blouses and tank tops and tube things and shoulder something. I, I, I don't even know the nomenclature for what y'all are wearing, let alone, is it the right thing? I have no idea. So I tell my wife, you got to talk to my daughter. You got to talk to the NSA. I have no idea. She's like, can you just look? I was like, I can look, but I don't have any kind of discernment. I don't even know the language. I don't even know what that's called. Are they shoes? Are they platforms? Are they wedges? Are they flats? Like, what? why all the words? I just put on shoes. That's all it is. Every now and then, I call it a boot. That's it. That's it. A boot's just a big shoe. That's all I know. I don't understand these things because I, I do not understand. But now there's people who are like, we'll just redefine who God is. I'm like, no, don't think you get to do that. I say, honey, you look great. She's like, no, I don't. I'm like, no, no, you look beautiful. She's like, this doesn't match, Carl. I'm like, I don't know. And I just wish there were more people in the world. They say, like, is this sin? They're like, I don't know. I, 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 I actually have not been to college for this. I have not actually read the whole Bible. I actually want this to be true. I don't know if it is. Instead, people are inventing a new gospel after what they want Jesus to be. And guess what? We don't get to form him. He forms us. When we come to Jesus, we recognize that he's actually God and I'm not. I get so sad when I meet people who used to be on fire for Jesus. They met him. They were in love with him. They would follow him. They would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. They would witness the people. They would travel to new countries to tell people they don't even know the language of that Jesus Christ has died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And then all of a sudden they fall in love with something else, most likely a sin of theirs or a desire in their heart that's actually against the gospel. And they come to a fork in the road and Jesus says, listen, you're going to have to either choose me or choose that thing. And they're like, but I want both. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to be part of a thruple. That's not going to work. I'm not, this ain't, this, this is not how this is going to work. I'm not going there with you. They're like, well, I think you will go there with me. And they're like, but I won't. And so what they're carrying around is the ghost of Jesus. It's a false version that is not actually Jesus. And they made him up in their mind. That's what a ghost is. It's not really 
there, right? And so they believe Jesus is there with me, but it's just a deceiving spirit. It's a ghost telling them, deceiving them, speaking into their ear. Oh, this ain't a big deal. You can go ahead and do that. No, no, I don't mind at all. Look, I'm still here with you. And I'm like, that's a demon. That ain't even Jesus. That don't look nothing like Jesus. That is a demon. Oh, I'm going down the road here, Duke. I feel like I'm preaching good. I feel like I'm preaching good right now. I don't let the deceiving spirits, Jesus said, are coming. False prophets would come, preaching a false gospel. He said they would come. He said, if anybody preaches a gospel that contrary to what I'm preaching to you right now, it's a demon, don't believe them. And now people are like, I just think I'll rewrite the Bible. I'm like, it's a demon. What is the problem? Oh, it's the pastor. He's hateful. I'm in love with Jesus. I just think we should follow him, not you. Okay. That makes me ask you right now, have you met Jesus? (laughs) Have you met Jesus? Have you met him? Have you met him? Have you met with him lately? Has he shown up in your life lately? Have you read the Bible until he spoke to you? You know, when you read a Bible verse and like, oh, I'm reading this again. Oh, wait a minute. I'm reading this again. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe God is talking to me. You read it again and then boom, right in your heart. Oh, that's Jesus by his spirit right there in my heart. Oh, that's the Holy Ghost of God. Or you're talking with your kids. This is the hard one. Talking with your kids, talking, 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 out of their mouth. They contradict you, and you're like, ooh, that was Jesus right there. That was Jesus. And you're like, <laughs> David Copeland used to say, he used to say, he used to say, I heard the voice of God, and it sounded like my wife, right? Like, just, <laughs> just speaks the truth you don't want to hear. And you're like, oh, that's Jesus right there. That's, that's just, oh, Jesus came and, 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 and spoke to me. And here, 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 here's the deal. Jesus comes, and he presents himself to you. And we get to make a choice like, If Jesus was really as angry and judgmental as his haters paint him to be, he wouldn't give you a choice. He wouldn't give you a choice, but he gives you a choice. He shows up and he's like, I put before you life and death. Blessings, curses, choose life. Choose life. And then he says that it may go well with your children. That says that there's a blessing that's going to come upon you that will go down through the generations. Choose life that it may go well with you. And here's, here's what we do. Jesus shows up. I believe he's in the room right now. It's easy. We believe that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, and he wants to offload that sin from your soul onto his cross. When you recognize that, you repent. You say, Lord, I got it wrong. I've been doing things wrong. Please forgive me. Forgive me. And then receive his forgiveness. I receive your life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your instruction. I receive you right now. Some of you right now, you just be doing that in your own mind. I repent of my old life. I believe that you are the son of God. I receive you as my savior. You just, that's it. Jesus is inviting you into a new life. Not just a vacation. I know we meet him sometimes in the hardest places. We meet him in our loneliness. There he is. Like all our friends abandon us. We find out he's still there. We go down a road of sin, and sin takes us to some unsavory places. We, 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 we find ourselves sometimes at the end of a long road of rebellion, of, of, of selfishness, of, of, of bad choices. And we get to the end of that road, and all we find there is depression, anxiety, 
But if you look hard enough, Jesus. And there he is waiting like, hey, still here? Still here? <clears throat> he gives you the choice, though. <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalm 139, he says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You're like, I don't know my purpose. I don't, I don't know why I was created. Let me tell you right now. <clears throat> let me tell you. Let me tell you. I don't know why I'm on the earth. Let me tell you why. Because you, you were knit together by God in your mother's womb. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me tell you, fearfully and wonderfully made. That means that you were created in the image of God and his perfection. And let me help you just a little bit in hearing the voice of God. Anything that tells you something different is the devil. You were created beautifully. You were created wonderfully. You were created with a purpose. You were created with a hope and a future. You were created to be above and not beneath. You were created to be the head and not the tail. You were created to be a bearer of the image of God. You were created in your Father's image. That's who you are. You may not know it yet. You may know it, but it hasn't traveled from here to here yet. But I tell you what, you stay here. You come to church and you let the anointing of God soak in your life and the Holy Ghost of God will drip down your body and the anointing will get that reality into your heart. And all of a sudden, you'll begin looking at life different. All of a sudden, where there was hopelessness, you might be prophesying a better future. One day you'll even find somebody talking about how things are going to be going bad for them and you'll be like, you know what? God is able to turn that thing around. He did it for me. I was hopeless. I was sad. I was directionless. I thought they had abandoned me, but then I came and met a man named Jesus. And Jesus came and he let me know that I was actually fearfully and wonderfully made, and there is a purpose on the planet for me. Come on, somebody. I feel like that's a word for somebody. <clears throat> there was a genius man, a Frenchman who was an inventor back in the day, and you probably heard of him, Blaise Pascal. There's whole mathematics named after him, and he said, this is what he said, this, this brilliant scientist, mathematician, he said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. That is, come on, somebody. That did, I mean, this is, this is not new news. You were created to know him. You were created to know him. Come on, worship team, if you would. <clears throat> Jesus made us a promise. I feel, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. How about you? And it's my hope. It's my hope that as I have been preaching here, the Spirit of God is at work translating my words to you. I don't just preach one message on Sunday. I preach as many messages as there are people in the room. Because the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now what you need to hear in this season. For some of you, for some of you, it's time to meet Jesus. For others of you, it's time to rekindle the flame. Others, your heart is beginning to strangely glow within you because Holy Spirit is drawing you into deeper waters. This is what Jesus said. <clears throat> 
He said that the Holy Spirit would come and convict the world of righteousness, sin, and judgment. Why would he do that? Because he has a beautiful life for you. You know, when I drive down the freeway, we take this for granted. There's lines in the road. And sometimes you drive down the freeway, you get a little tired. You're not really paying attention. And when you hit, you know, one of those in-between two lanes, they got these bumps. It's like an alarm saying, you're going in a dangerous direction. Pay attention. You're going in a dangerous direction. But when you're on the side of the road, in that little side lane, they have more of those little bumpy things. They got a whole row of them. And instead of the gum, the gum, the gum, it's it's like danger, danger, danger. Warning, you're heading toward destruction. Jesus said he would send the Holy Ghost to let you know you're heading toward destruction. Unfortunately, today we have false prophets telling you, oh, those warning signs, that's just a different song. You don't have to worry about that. We'll let you know it's not a big deal. You can just get your car and drive off the side of the road and drive wherever you want. <clears throat> you can drive, you can take your, take your little Hyundai and drive through the swamp. You'll get to your mom's house anyways. You're like, it doesn't matter where the roads go. It doesn't matter what the map says. It doesn't matter where the signs say. You can just drive down 95. And sooner or later, they're just going to drive off the side of the road into a wall. Because we don't get to invent that reality. We need to listen to the Holy Ghost of God and heed His warnings. Jesus talked about those who When Holy Spirit starts convicting you, hey, you need to change. You need Jesus. And we keep hitting the snooze button. And eventually, you hit snooze long enough, it just stops. He says, that's what you want. You can have it. You can can sleep in. You can lose your job. He's like, that's not my problem. People are no longer convicted by their gossip, their their slander. Their secrets and their lies. It's because the Holy Spirit is not at work in their lives anymore. But Jesus is still there calling them forward. There's a seducing spirit that made, their, made them think their sin was not a big deal. But it's a big deal. You see, when we're all traveling in our lane, we keep each other safe and we all are going in the right direction together. We safely get on the off-ramps. We safely get home. But sin is that changing lanes without signals, running into other people, destroying other people's lives, keeping other people from getting where they're supposed to be. I'm here to let you know it's time for a salvation encounter. It's time to meet Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on. It's time to meet Jesus. So you may have heard about God, that He is good. 
But today, we want you to experience that God is good. We want you to meet Him in the life that comes from receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that He will give you the Holy Spirit, which is a down payment for the return of Christ. And the Holy Ghost of God will begin to live on the inside of you, connecting you with the Spirit of God, bringing forth life, bringing forth gifts, giving forth power in the name of Jesus. The devil, will all of a sudden, his voice will become a little more clear in your life. And the voice of Jesus will become much more close in your life. Stand with me if you would. That's a good direction. Just drum that a little bit if you would. Shekaba. I'm feeling something in the room, Tracy. I'm feeling something in the room, Aletta. Diane, I feel the Holy Ghost at work right now. I feel like the, the Lord himself is here ready to save some people. I feel like in the name of Jesus there are burdens that people in the room, you've been carrying in your own strength. There are some things that have happened in your past that you're still weighing on your soul. There are things that are still out there. There are lies of the devil that are still whispering in your ear. And I'm here to let you know that the anxiety and the depression and the confusion is not from God. The Bible tells us that he is not the author of confusion, but he has called you to peace to righteousness, to joy, to a sound mind. That is the promise of God for you. And today, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is welcoming you into a relationship where you can hear God and respond to his voice. breath of God is about to come right now. Ready? Is your breath in our lungs? Come on, right now. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. Is your breath in our lungs? So we pour out So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you all. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I just feel right now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit is here right now. And Lord Jesus is going to save you right now. If you will turn your heart to him right now, I am going to pray. And I'm going to bind that spirit. I'm going to bind that, that, that deceiving spirit. I am going to bind that generational curse. I'm going to bind the power of that sin that has had you as a slave. I'm going to bind that attack of the wicked one. I'm going to bind that curse. I'm going to bind that evil that has come into your family and tried to rob you of your destiny. 
and you're going to make a decision. We are following Jesus. As for me and my family, we will follow the Lord. When I count to three, I want you to make a decision because I'm going to bind the wicked one. I'm going to bind that spirit and your heart is going to become free and you're going to decide, I am going to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Are you ready? Come on, somebody. I hope the saints are praying with me right now. I hope you're praying in the spirit. I declare the blood of Jesus over you right now. I declare the blood of Jesus over you right now. I declare the blood of Jesus over this room right now. I break every curse that has been spoken over what God is doing here right now. I break it. I break it in the name of Jesus. In the count of three, one, two, three. In the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit. Receive Jesus Christ. Come on, let him know. Jesus, you are my Savior. Tell him, I receive you. I receive you. I I repent of my sin. I believe that you are the Christ. I repent of my sin. And I follow you right now. Come on, pray it right now. Pray it right now. Pray it right now. Pray it right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Sing it. Come on. I receive it. It's your breath. The breath of God is coming to your life. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's your breath. Jesus is saving right now. Receive the Holy Ghost of God. we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath. You shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Sing it out. Sing. Nobody, nobody, nobody will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. I bless you in the sound of my voice. I, can, you, can, can you give a shout to God right now? Can you give a shout to God right now? I'm going to bless you all. But real quick, I feel like there's some people in the room and you need a little help getting some of the, the work of the enemy out of your life. We want to lay hands on you and cast this thing out that the Spirit will come and fill you. I'm about to dismiss you, but if that's you, I want you to just come forward and we're just going to pray for you. Duke is going to come on up here. We're going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we just declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord would lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Give them one more clap off for the Lord. Thank the worship team for coming. We love you. Thank you for coming. We have some people at the altar who would love to pray for you. If you would give me a moment, I would love to meet you in the lobby if you're visiting. God bless you. I'll see you Wednesday at prayer on our Instagram Live.
Have an amazing week and share what God did in your life with someone. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come forward if you need prayer. We'd love to pray for you.